All right, so we're on chapter five of this book, uh, the fifth part, which is on, which is on uh, ring two. So we saw a couple weeks ago the church, and we saw that that's where outreach begins. Uh, and then we're going to talk about that. We're in the second ring here. But ring one, outreach begins with uh, the first center of it, the bullseye, creating a church that is, remember there's three components, a uh, church that is faithful to God's word, a church that is uh, beautiful, and a church that uh, is hospitable. So that you would have these three things. Um, uh, if We can't tell people to go to a church if there's no church that is to point them to that's faithful, uh, beautiful, and hospitable, right? Imagine you point someone to a church and uh, that ch- the, the people in that church are really unwelcoming and mean and cold, okay? Or you point them to a church and then it's full of false doctrine. <laughs> well, you pointed, you pointed them in the wrong direction. So what we want to do is we, we say, well, instead of Pointing people to one, we tell them to come to ours. So you begin with your own congregation. You say, well, this is my congregation. I want to make ensure that it's faithful. I want to ensure that it's beautiful, uh, which we're doing right now. And in three more months, it will be. And then finally, that it is um, uh, hospitable, that we're welcoming of the stranger, uh, the outsider. Uh, ring two, though. So we start with the church. The ring two is the family. Ring two is the family, and that's the second part. This is one, this is two, and this begins with this is made up of two parts. One is procreation, and the other is catechesis. So I say this knowing that uh, it may be a uh, maybe new to a number of you. Um, but th- I want to tell you what the scriptures say about these things. So ring two, once a church is established, then the most natural way to grow the church is through family. That's how you grow the church. It's the most natural and the best way to grow the, the congregation. Uh, family is, uh, so bringing new people to congregation uh, begins with the family. Family is, one, a marriage between husband and wife. Uh, it is procreation. That is the the rearing and the bringing forth of children. Uh, And it is also adoption by taking welcoming orphans into your home and giving them a life that no one else would have given them. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Um, Husbands who bring their wives to church, right? Okay, if if you're a single guy and you get married and you bring your wife to church, has the church grown? (laughs) Absolutely, it has grown. In fact, that's one of the best ways to grow the church. Uh, then you, you, this man now, who's the husband of his wife, uh, God blesses them with children and they have a child. Have they grown the church? Yeah. Now there's, uh, so a man who marries a woman and brings her, teaches her the faith and tells her, hey, you need to become Lutheran. And this is, this is how it's done. This is the church you're coming to. Well, now he has doubled his attendance in the church. And then when he brings a child into the world, then he has tripled his attendance, and so on and so forth. So it continues, so on and so forth. Uh, that this is the way that God has brought about church growth, and it's not something we should dismiss so, so quickly. Uh, so this is on procreation. Uh, so the family, the point is that God established the family. Genesis 2, 24 says this. This is what, this is what God says. He says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Uh, in the midweek adult instruction class that I've been teaching, we talked about this when we talked about the sixth commandment on, on um, you shall not commit adultery, what is the definition of marriage and all these things. In this text alone, Genesis 2.24, there's three parts to marriage. There's three verbs. Uh, a man leaves his father and his mother. He cleaves or clings to his wife. And finally, the two shall become one flesh. 
Those are the three verbs. The leaving is a public declaration of, uh, of union. So that it's done before witnesses and everyone to say, we're getting married. That's, that's what the leaving is. The cleaving to is love. It's the, to, uh, in, in the wedding vows, it's to have and to hold. Right? He shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. There's a holding there. Uh, that's love. Uh, and then finally, two shall become one flesh. This is, uh, simply put, sex. This is the union between a husband and a wife. Uh, the, the only union in the world where sex is a part of the relationship. There's no other relationship in the world where sex is part of it. This is integral to, integral to it. Uh, it is, is very, very important to it. So it, it keeps it together. From that also comes children. Be fruitful and multiply. And this is... That union is then blessed by God with children. So it is a great and glorious thing that God created before the fall into sin. Before Adam and Eve sinned. In paradise, he ordained this. And then throughout all history, God has, God has kept this. Uh, the family then is the most fruitful arm of outreach. Because, uh, because if you think about it, how much time do you spend with your family, with your wife or your children? as opposed to the people on the street. It, it, you can't even compare them. A lot, yeah. Hopefully they're not the same. Uh, it's, it's very, very different. You spend so much time with your family, and so little time, you cross somebody in, in a Walmart for five seconds. And what are you going to do? Tell them the whole, all of God's word in five seconds? You, you could try. But the better place to start is your own home. That the time you should be spending uh, is, is to be focused there at your home. Now, just imagine that, um, uh, that, okay, let, let me put it this way. Everybody who comes to church, uh, and maybe this isn't the same as sign, but maybe it's different uh, from church to church or congregation to congregation, but um, does everybody from every family in the church come to church? No. Um, sadly, this is a very sad thing, but there are broken families uh, where the husband will come, but the wife won't. Or the wife comes and the husband doesn't. Or the wife brings the children and the husband doesn't come. Or vice versa. Or only one of the children comes and then the parents don't. Something like this. Uh, how m- Do you think we have enough seats if all of our family members came here? Right? If, if everyone from our family came up every single Sunday with us, would we have, would we have enough space here? We wouldn't. It would be bursting at the seams. That's where we start. With outreach, you start in the home. That's the best and the easiest way to start. Uh, and especially, it is your first duty. It is your duty as a Christian to then take care of those in your household, that, the, in your own home. Uh, well, I'm not saying neglect or condemn the stranger or leave them to die. I'm not saying that. But when push comes to shove, you have an option. Where do you put your eggs? Which basket do you put them in? Do you put them in to trying to convert somebody with a five-minute speech? Or do you put it in being a faithful uh, husband and father? If, if your wife doesn't come to church, then that's where you should put your effort is in your wife. If your kids don't come to church, or not whether it's this church or any church, where do you put your effort? In that, in your children. Uh, even so, there are a lot of children and a lot of people in this area that if their parents uh, really exhorted them to go to church, then we've built something way too small for ourselves. We, we can't hold it, right? That if all of these people, and I guarantee you, they have some Christian background of some sense, uh, at some point, they've heard this. But if their parents really exhorted them uh, to come to church, then it would be full. Um, so this then, for the Lutherans, is where we focus our outreach. We begin with the congregation, and then we begin with the family. Specifically today, we're talking about procreation. Uh, the main point is this, that congregations that are serious about evangelism and outreach should do everything in their power to extol marriage and procreation. If, you, if I had to make a thesis of today, that's what it would be. That a congregation that wants to grow 
and engage in outreach and evangelism begins in the home and they do this by extolling marriage and children. That's it. Um, it's two practical uh, words of advice here. You uphold marriage. <clears throat> what does that mean? It means don't mock marriage. Uh, it means don't discourage people from getting married. Um, don't mock your husband or wife or complain about them. Uh, I, I know this is kind of maybe a generational thing, but um, I, I don't hear it so much in my generation, but other generations I do, where husbands will refer to their wives as the... So, so there's so many. Okay, let's start. All right, what, what was it? The ball and chain? Okay, yes. There, there are all these different names. So it's like, oh, uh, you know, my wife keeps me in a cage and I can't get out. Or uh, the old ball and chain or this and that. And, well, now a man who's single... I would say that, by the way. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Good, good. <laughs> Work is freedom, yeah, that's right. Um, uh, if, if a young man is hearing this, and, and all he hears is kind of the men who are married complain about marriage. Do they want to get married? They're going to say, no, my life was better when I was single. This is a mess. This is awful. No, rather we're to extol marriage and say, you know what? Marriage is awesome. It, it's seriously awesome. I never do things alone. Okay, there's pros and cons to that. But when I watch a movie, <laughs> uh, when I watch a movie, I'm not watching it alone. Uh, when I'm cleaning the house, I'm not doing it alone. When I'm raising my sons, I'm not doing it alone. They're, they're, it's beautiful. It's a great, great thing. Uh, and we should instill that in children. Um, so that's the first piece of practical advice. Just don't mock it. Don't, don't tear it down or say uh, that marriage is, is bad. Um, happy wife, happy life. Yeah, that, that's true. That, if I want to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let me ask her if I want to go. Uh, yeah, like, okay, so, so those sort of things, okay, yes, there's some, like, jesting and this sort of stuff, and that's good, uh, but, but we don't want to do this at the expense of especially our wife. Or the other way it comes out is one is kind of in a, in a lighthearted way, fine, in the right context and with the right people, okay, fine. Uh, but even then, be very careful. But the other way is in complaining, right? So saying, oh, man, can't stand my husband. Oh, my wife, she's so annoying. Or this and that. Don't, don't, well, deal with it. Like, why are you telling me? Right? I don't need to know this. She needs to know this. You guys talk it out and you guys got married. <laughs> um, but, but to then go around to other people in the congregation, it's not good. Okay, so that's the first thing. Second piece of practical advice, uh, uphold children, which is don't complain about your children either. As you don't complain about uh, your, the, the husband or wife God gave you, don't complain about the children. And don't discourage people from having children. This is super important. Um, there are, there's some bad advice this world gives. Things like, don't have kids. Why? Because they just take your time and your money. No, that, that's awful. Like, that views children chiefly, human beings chiefly, as a financial burden, rather than as a blessing from God. Uh, do you know how many people want children and don't have them? And, and then to hear somebody say, oh, yeah, th don't, don't have them. I mean, that's, that's heartbreaking. It's less than that don't have them and don't want them. Returning to a society where there are more people who don't want children and don't have them than those who want children and have them. The percentage actually. Is. Yes, that's true. And, and at the same time, yeah, that's a very true thing. Uh, that tide is turning and the world is uh, teaching, instilling these sort of things. The other thing is... Uh, parents who have children then uh, regretting it or despising their children and um, complaining about how much work it takes. It does take a lot of work. You, you do have less things. You do have less money than you did before. You do have less time than you did before. Uh, we have to always buffer like 15 minutes before and after every event to just get the kids in the car and then take them out and, and then clean up Cheerios and stuff. But, yeah, 15. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, or whatever, whatever time it is. Like, you, your life changes and you can't just get up and leave, right? So, yeah, there's sacrifices to be made. But for what? It's the most beautiful thing. All of you were children at one point. All of you were loved by your father and your mother and still are. Uh, they, they care for you. They love you. 
Um, and so we ought to speak very highly of children. Uh, that is, it, it, instilling that culture in the congregation uh, is super important, especially when we hear others say it. So if, if you hear another member say this, don't, you know, don't tear them to shreds right there, but talk to them about it and say, hey, why do you have that view? Or why are you discouraging this? Because it's a good thing. God said it's good. Uh, why are you saying the opposite? Yeah. 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 Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderfully said. Um, yeah, this, these are a blessing. Yeah. Um, so the, the churches who have um, children's church or mm. something, is that coming up? Yeah, it's coming up. I, I'll get to it. Yep, good question. Yeah, okay, you, you beat me to the punch. I'm getting there, I promise. I pro- yeah. I thought it all out. I got it. Um, no, very good. Very good points. Um, so, so I want to get to that. But uh, encouraging the, the, the procreation of children. By the way, I want to make a distinction between the words procreation and reproduction. Uh, reproduction is an industrial term. You reproduce... Uh, you, so, uh, so you reproduce cars. You reproduce chairs. You build these things. But you procreate children. Uh, and we should watch our language. I do this. I slip up all the time and I'll say uh, the reproduction organ or repro- you know, reproducing. No, it's procreation. God is creating through you in that very instance, right? He doesn't have like a bank of souls in heaven that he just throws down when, where he f- finds it. He creates with you in the moment. So you're cooperating with God in creating souls and people who will be redeemed by the Lord. It's beautiful. Um, but this also comes with Genesis 128, where God says, be fruitful and multiply. He repeats it again. After the flood, he tells Noah and his family, be fruitful and multiply. That means have many children. Or that is, have all the children that God will give you. Whether that number is 12 or the number is zero, you receive it from the hand of God and you trust that he will give you daily bread to eat. That's, that's what it means. Um, Church growth and family. So uh, churches grow with their demographics. Um, there's a reason why we have so many visitors every Sunday, like I mentioned in the sermon. Every single Sunday for the past eight years, we've had some new face here that we did not recognize or know. Um, and there's a reason for that. And there's a reason why some churches in Utah don't have that or churches in Iowa don't have that. And the reason is demographics. Um, If people are leaving, dying, and not being born, then the church can't grow. So if we had a congregation in the Everglades, nobody would be there. So then why would we, why would we go there? And we don't expect people to come to us. So you, the, the thing is, you can't blame the churches for what's happening, right? So if a church in Iowa is, is shrinking, it doesn't mean that the gospel is not being preached there, or that, that it's not a good congregation or he's not a faithful pastor. It just means that people move away for college and they never come back. It means that people get older and they die and that no babies are being born. Nobody's moving to that part of the country. So Luther calls this, he says the gospel is like a rain cloud where it showers there in one place, but then after time, that church will close. That may happen here. Maybe 20, 30 years. Right now, we're doing good. It's exploding here. There's tons of people. So there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of people. But it may die down, and this area of the country, people may leave it. And And then what? Our church won't be around. Okay, then we find out where the, a faithful church is, and then we go there, and so on and so forth. 
Um, but for a nation to remain, uh, I, I want to talk about demographics and population here. For a nation to remain constant, the same, right? you need 2.1 children for the nation. Uh, the point one is not part of a person. Uh, it is, uh, it's, it's a little uh, above uh, two children. So that a father and a mother will have two children. Well, when the father and mother die, then those children replace them, right? Uh, the point one is to uh, account for uh, infant mortality or early deaths or things like this. But the point is that if you have two children, then you've replaced yourselves and the country remains steady. Uh, if you have less than 2.1 children, if you only have 2.0 children, then the nation will decline because we have things like accidents and deaths and, and things like that. So 2.1 and below is a downward trajectory. That means 2.2 and above, uh, that is the growth of a nation. So any nation that has more children born than their parents uh, is growing. Uh, and so this, this all accounts and, and this factors in. Um, in the United States in 1960, how many children were there per household? Six. <laughs> uh, the, the average. Yeah, there were some that fluctuated. It was 2.33. So, it grew. Um, In 2020, how many children on average per household? Sorry? Uh, Close. 1.93. So, if you follow the trajectory, where are we going to be? We're going to have less people around in the nation. We're not replacing ourselves. And the problem is you can't undo this. Once it happens, it happens. That, one, that once it's done with 41 generation, then it's over. You can't, the, 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 the clock has, has finished. Yeah. Uh, that's a good. No, that, that's a very good question. So I don't know what the number is in the churches. Um, Yeah, uh, Harrison, the Senate president, actually addressed that, and he got a lot of feedback or criticism, uh, <laughs> uh, where they said, you know, well, his his um, approach to evangelism is that we should have more babies. It's like, well, yeah, well, well, yeah, th- uh, that's where people come from. I mean, that's you you can't grow a church if there's no people, and w- who are people? Babies are people. So have babies, and then you have people, and then you grow. So. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of the, that, that's, thank you, uh, Dave, for that. So yeah, I guess the, the LCMS is declining. Well, to prove this, um, I just went to the National Youth Gathering. There were 18,000 this year, this year, and three years ago, there were 21,000. And the year before that, there was 25,000. Yeah, there you go. About 3,000 youth every three years. Yep, there you go. That's, that's uh, really unfortunate. Um, that's how it goes, though, uh, and this is what happens when uh, the church kind of follows the teachings of the world. Uh, around the same time, around 1960, what started to be taught and what was created? Yeah, the, the pill, birth control, contraception uh, was widely popular and available. Churches bought into this without thinking. They bought into it without uh, considering what the effect is. Since the 60s to now, uh, about 60 years, now we are below. And you, you can't undo it. And we're stuck. So what could happen is the young, this generation could have more children than two. Uh, and then there'll be an uptick. But I don't know. Uh, this is the problem in Italy. They're paying people to move to Italy because they have had less than like 1.4 children per household there. And it's over. Like... Italy, the culture, everything is about to vanish. Yeah, there you get the the communist um, uh, 
mandates or laws that you can't. Or oh, Japan. Okay, yeah. It's very low. So yeah, when you when you factor all this together, then we're not right. You, you hear often that we're facing overpopulation. That is not true. That is that is a lie. Um, we are facing a demographic winter, uh, a a problem, a massive problem. The other thing, okay, I don't want to get too much into this, but look at the economics. Uh, who pays Social Security? Okay, we're paying Social Security to take care of the older people. Well, then when these people are older, who has to pay them? Well, less people, right? And so it's just going to keep getting worse. So that Social Security is basically gone by the time I get old. That's, I, I'm just banking on that. Um, it, that's simply, that's simply the, the reality. So, okay, this is the, the issue. Um, hindrances to the family. I want to talk about a few things here. Um, oh, let me, let me back up. By the way, the cool thing has been to uh, reject children, uh, reject uh, families, and, and these sort of things. And a lot of women are being deceived, uh, duped into this. When you look at little girls playing, what do they play with? Dolls. Dolls. Instinctively, right? Uh, it is a... Uh, it's by nature. God designed it. What are boys doing? <laughs> they're blowing things up, right? Uh, they're, they're destructive. Uh, they're, they're building things and then they're tearing it down, right? They're throwing things. They're being ninjas. They're jumping back and forth. In this. Okay, well, you need both. The men and women are not equal in this way. You need both. It's a beautiful thing. Um, somewhere along the line, these little girls who loved playing with babies and dressing them and dressing them up and caring for them. They, already women know how to hold a baby in, immediately. I didn't know how to hold a baby till I had a baby. Um, but they know, like already, years before. So, but somewhere along the line, the media has convinced young women that that's a bad thing and that they don't want children. They say, I don't, I don't want kids. Right? Or they'll say, I don't need a man, I don't want to get married. Or they'll say, I don't want kids. Both of those things are so sad. It's so sad. And it goes against... Now, that may make sense, reason, uh, according to reason, for the short term. But in the long term, it's the most un- unfulfilling thing. Yeah? Now with the road and all that being disrupted, I, I see them highlighting out women saying, oh, well, I can't undo having children, so now I'm going to get fixed. Mm. Oh, okay. Which is another form of uh, prevention. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, consider the difference between the way God speaks and the way the world speaks. It says, be fruitful and multiply. And the world says, don't. That's irresponsible. Don't. That's, that's not right. Don't. You're wasting your time, your money. Um, in, in fact, Michaela Peterson, who's Jordan Peterson's daughter, she has like a podcast. And she's talking about this. I think she's, an, she's a pagan or something. She's not a Christian. But she's coming to a lot of the same conclusions just through reason. Even, even Jordan Peterson is too. I mean, he's, he's wrong on a lot of things. But he's... he's Realizing a lot of the, the truth that we've been saying, that the church has been saying for so long. Um, okay, let me move on real quick. Hindrances to the family, things like promiscuity, uh, sleeping with multiple people means that you have no lasting commitment and it actually harms uh, families because the point of promiscuity is to never get tied down. And what do children do? They tie you down. They, they keep a husbands and wives together. Um, cohabitation. This is essentially monogamous promiscuity, uh, just being promiscuous one person at a time for a certain amount of time. Uh, But the same thing is there. Uh, Cohabitation, I want to write a paper on this, but cohabitation is really uh, built not on commitment, but on convenience. Say, I will be here as long as I want to be here, which every morning could be a different answer. Rather, commitment says, I will be here for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death us do part according to God's holy will. That's a man. That's what a man says. He doesn't say, I'm going to stick around until I feel like it. 
He doesn't do that. That's, that's shameful. That's wrong. Uh, and, and women shouldn't commit or give up their bodies, one of the most precious things they have, to a man who, who won't do that, who won't commit. It, it's, it's a foolish thing. By the way, every single time in cohabitation, um, uh, the woman is always hurt more than the guy. Every time. Why? Because the assuming in cohabitation, well, I don't have to assume. This is just the reality. In cohabitation, uh, they're having sex. That's why they live in the same place and why they do this. Okay. Uh, what is the man getting? Free sex. Free sex. With no commitment. What is the woman getting? No commitment. Right? So the woman, uh, the woman views cohabitation as a bridge to marriage. If you ask the woman, anyone who's cohabiting, uh, you ask the woman, do you want to get married? A hundred percent yes. She would right now if you proposed. You ask the man, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I got it. I got it. Yeah, I got to try. Yeah, it's so, so awful. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, they, they won't commit. That's wrong. And every single time, this is why in cohabitation, uh, the man suffers. What I've seen a lot of times is reverse proposals, which is an ultimatum, where the woman then tells, uh, <laughs> yeah, reverse pro- where the woman then tells him, you either propose to me by New Year's or it's over. You want to start a marriage that way? It's like, it's already hard enough. You don't want to start that way. So anyway, um, I can talk more about that. But uh, cohabitation then uh, thrives off of no commitment and then also no children because children are a commitment. Um, and both... Yes, that's another problem. Yeah, I'm going to talk about fatherlessness here in a moment. Um, yeah. One thing, though, that just drives me crazy, I, mean, I saw a lot being an athlete or a teacher or coach. We need to teach our boys, our men, how to treat women, you know. So many times, oh, you let them so they're a lot of those. They're boys. Boys will be boys. Yeah. And they do these things because they're not telling them. The parents are not telling them how to treat a lady, how to, you know, when, when, you know, to not take advantage of them. And these and women give in to these bad boys. Yep. You know, and so forth. And it just creates all kinds of problems throughout the whole life. Good. I'm getting there. I realize I'm preaching to the choir. I'm, I'm telling you guys things that you already know and believe, which is good. But, but I'm going to get there too. Um, uh, so I talked about promiscuity, cohabitation. And finally, uh, the third thing that's destructive to church growth is divorce. Um, this is hands down the most destructive force upon a family is fatherless homes, 100%. There's, no, there's nothing that will ruin a society quicker than no-fault divorce or things like this. Um, the, the scriptures give biblical grounds for divorce, which is adultery um, or, or prolonged abandonment. Um, that's, that's it. Uh, but when... Marriage was really attacked when we, when our country introduced no-fault divorce. Said, well, why are you divorcing? I just don't like the person, or I'm bored. Well, tough luck. That's not what you said <laughs> at your at your wedding. You said something totally different. Oh, you're, now you're kind of stuck. Sorry, but that's the reality. If somebody stood up and said that, then e- even even a bad marriage is better than a, a broken one. Okay, let me get to this. I want to give you some statistics here. U.S. in 2021, there were 18.4 million children living in a home without a dad. Fatherless homes. 18.4. Now, this is, the next statistics are, are kind of frightening. Infant mortality is two times higher in fatherless homes. Why do you think that is? Because the mother's doing all the work. She's exhausted. The man isn't around to help or take care of anything. There's probably dangers and things left and right. And the babies die at higher rates. Two times higher. Um, children from fatherless homes are two times more likely to drop out of school. That is to quit. Now, people who drop out of school, uh, they don't even finish their high school diploma. It, that's, not, that's just a symptom. But really what's behind that is um, uh, an attitude of quitting. An attitude of giving up while things get tough. Uh, they're also four times more likely to live in poverty. Uh, they are two times more likely to commit suicide, higher rates of suicide. 80% of rapists in 
the United States were raised in a fatherless home. 80% of them. 90% of teen arsonists, uh, people who just set buildings on fire or uh, trees or things like this, 90% of them were raised in fatherless homes. It sounds stupid, but you do need a dad to tell you, don't do that. Don't play with fire. Stop. And when, boys are attracted to this. They, they, they really are. It's, it's fascinating. We love setting things on fire and, and watching it burn. Um, but they need to be taught and instilled reason. Like, don't do that. There's a place for that. Uh, but this isn't it. Uh, 63% of youth suicides come from fatherless homes. The majority come from there. Now, th- this is the one that's super heartbreaking. Children whose fathers don't go to church... Uh, who don't go to church with them. That is, a mother who takes her kids to church, but the father's not there. 98% of those children fall away. Only 2%, 1 in 50, or 2 in 100, only 2% remain in church of, of that. I mean, this, this is remarkable. It, like, I know that guys often joke, like, look, I contribute so little to human life. Right? The woman does all the work. She bears the child for nine months. She feeds the child. She gives birth to the child. And then she takes care of the, all these sort of things. And then the fathers, it's, it's a temptation for dads to think, well, you just don't need me. You're going to be fine without me. The statistics say the opposite. You're not going to be fine with them. They're not going to be fine without you. In fact, families need their dads. And they're complementary. Uh, f- fathers and mothers are both necessary. Each home needs a mom and a dad. You, two dads does not make up for a mom. Two moms don't make up for a dad. You need that. And, and history has shown that the best and most beautiful thing and the best place for a child to grow up in is in his, the home of his father and mother. Yeah. Uh, oh, good question. I don't know what those stats are referring to. Um, that was the U.S. Census I'll have to look back and see uh, because, but, but I do know that that's an issue too, that being not with your biological father is also, there's always distance. The uh, point is, it's a broken home already, but yeah. 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 That, that's true. Um, man, I could, I could keep going on. There's a, there's a thing here where we're so um, enchanted by instant gratification that we want to see... We, we think the way to change the states. We look at the states and we're like, oh, it's awful. How do we do this? Pass, pass legislature, right? Go to the government. Go to the White House and tell them what to do. And then they'll pass a law and then everything will be fine. It's not. It's not, that's not how it works. The way it works is in the home. If you want to change things globally, you start in the home. You, you can't do it the other way around. You can't tell the government to tell you what to do in your home. You, the home tells what the government. In fact, the home is above the government. Uh, yeah, exactly. You can create the next president of the United States. You can raise them to be the next president of the United States. You can do that. You can raise people to be, to be in charge here. Um, yes, a couple of comments. Being a public school teacher, we saw that from the beginning of our career, the 30-year career to the end. When we started, there were more complete homes with the mom and the dad and the kids. And when we ended, there were, and there were more problems as we went along respect um, for each other as well as adults and you know, more issues that, that came up with the kids. Yeah. It was, a, it was an ongoing thing. So you saw it already in, in, a, in one lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, they want to be dads. The, the government wants to be the father. This is a uh, 
This is um, cultural Marxism. This is uh, the, the, the government trying to supplant or to change the, the, the fabric of the family. It doesn't work. Everyone who's tried this, has, it has ended in bloodshed. It's disaster every single time. Um, but the way, this just attests to creation. That what you're telling me, a book written so many thousands of years ago got it right? And we, with all of our telescopes and science and technology, still can't figure this out? We're trying to say, well, let, let's reinvent the family. Doesn't work. Never works. Okay, let me get to this uh, final part here. How to become a pro-life congregation. Uh, there's two things you need to... Do this in action and then also, or, or speech and then also in action. In speech, uh, congregations need to speak in a certain way to be pro-life. <clears throat> Parents and all elders, that is, if you're older than a kid, this is your duty. Uh, that is to teach children the truth about marriage as God instituted it. Uh, a lot of people dismiss what the pastor says if he's the only one saying it. Right? So if he's the only one saying these things, then they're going to say, oh, well, he's just a crazy guy. Uh, forget it. But when the congregation says, hey, no, this is right. This is what the Bible says. The, um, you, you've heard the phrase, it takes a village to raise a kid. Well, yes, that's part of it, too. Here in the church, the whole congregation lends to this culture of, of being pro-life. Um, <clears throat> Marriage, uh, we had to teach children, uh, as, as one of you said before, that it's a lifelong union of one man, one woman. It's permanent. It's exclusive. Uh, teach children that they were made for marriage. As Genesis 2.18 says, it is not good for the man to be alone. Uh, teach children who to marry is important, talking to them about those things. Uh, what to look for in a spouse. This is all things that parents should do, but also things that the congregation as a whole should do. Um, <clears throat> Marrying people of another denomination is a bad idea. Typically, what happens is that the Lutheran either stay, stays faithful. Okay, let me put it this way. Rarely does the other spouse convert. Rarely. Uh, so, okay, that, that's a rare, rarity. If they don't convert, well, then you have this tension throughout your whole life. Do we go to church or not? Do we baptize them or not? Even if you marry someone of another denomination and they reject infant baptism, then what? Are you baptizing the kids or not? Do they get, are they confirmed or not? Are they communed or not? Do you commune together as a family? Are you, ready, are you prepared to face this that you will never commune together throughout your whole life? Usually what happens is that the faithful one uh, lets up and then gives up the word to please the, the marriage, to make the marriage work. And that's a very sad thing. Uh, so the point is, I, I've given this advice before, I know, I, it's probably cliche now, but I've said, if you're dating someone and they don't come to church with you by the third date, you dump them. That's it. That's the best. Yeah. Um, so that, that's, my, that, that's my advice. Uh, you can take it or leave it. I think you'll be happier if you take it. Um, because the problem is you don't want to get attached to someone and fall in love with someone that you know you can't marry. So cut it off before the feelings grow too strong, and then now you're stuck. So that, that's just uh, some advice. Okay, um, uh, vocation versus occupation. Let me, let me talk about this. Occupation is what you do and what you get paid for. Your vocation is who you are, and you can do this even while sleeping. Meaning, um, if you work construction... You're a construction worker as long as you're working the construction. But if you're sleeping or you go home, you're now a husband, right? Or even while you're sleeping, you're a husband. Okay, um, but you don't get paid for being a husband. So there's a big difference here, vocation and occupation. What do people, what do parents mostly talk to their kids about? Yes, what do you want to be? Or what do you want to do when you grow up? So um, what job do you want? And they're saying, do you want to be an astronaut? Do you want to be a firefighter? Do you want this and this? That's fine. That's good to, to aspire to these things. But what do parents rarely talk to their kids about? Yeah. Do you want to get married? You, you, want, you want to have children? Right? Um, uh, do you want to have a wife? I, I've already started talking to my sons about this. Anderson doesn't understand me, but Martin does. Um, uh, Martin, I, I talk to him and I say... Uh, and now he says, when I grow up, when I'm a, when I'm a daddy, 
I said, God, God grant it. I, God grant that day. Um, but if, if he says, if he says that he's, he's, it's instilled in him that he wants to talk about family, about being a father, a husband, um, and I hope that that continues uh, so that his, voc- his occupation will change, right? That's going to change throughout life. Uh, he might be a physicist and then become an engineer and then become a janitor. I don't know. Uh, but what won't change is that he's a dad, and he always will be. Or if he's married, that's not going to change. Yeah? Yep. Push out the family. Yeah. And when I give an answer other than a job, they, they stare at me like, huh? Yeah. 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 Exactly. It's jarring to the world because they're they're not expecting that. They're like, oh yeah, that's a that's an after uh, thought. But the main thought is work, 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 work. Yeah. Yeah, so that uh, male and God created them male and female, and He created them with roles, and it's a beautiful thing. Uh, by the way, I want to just touch on this, and I know we'll close soon here. Um, so no more questions. No, uh, but uh, the 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 thing is is that marriage is a vocation from God, but also singleness is a vocation from God. If you're not married, well, that's from the hand of God. Don't despise your singlehood. God created you single. Now, he may keep you there your whole life, or he may call you out of it. But while you are single, you praise God for that. And then you praise God if he, gives you, if he grants you a wife. And then he, you praise God if he grants you children. But all of those things are in the hands of God. Who, who marries people? Who brings them together? What, what does Jesus say? What God has joined together. That means you're passive, and he is active. God is the one doing the joining, and it is his decision. Okay, let me uh, move on real quick. Um, Titus 2, 3 through 5 says this. Uh, Keep this in mind. Older women are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. That's Titus chapter 2. Okay, let me talk about, that was speech, the way we speak about things and uh, relate to children. Action, now I want to talk about. Congregations need to behave in certain ways to be pro-life. Um, what we were saying before, members can assist families with young children by holding the babies for them, which I saw today. That was beautiful. Uh, also seeing, uh, holding the hymnal for them, right? If you have two babies or a baby who's struggling, well then hold the hymnal so that the mom can sing the hymn. Uh, by the way, this is why we have the liturgy, and we keep the same liturgy week after week, because, what? I don't need to, I don't need to. You don't need, you don't, you don't even need to say the page number, really, anymore. Um, for visitors, I do, but you guys know it. You guys have memorized it. You, you can sing the, the Kyrie from heart, and, uh, or by heart, and the, the Sanctus. Um, children's church, uh, I say No. Don't remove children from the church and children's church because the best place in the world for a child is to be in church with his mom and his dad. It's the best place. No, no, no better place in the whole world than that. Um, no cry room. Now, let me uh, I- explain this. Exactly. Yep. So yeah, you don't want to you want you don't want to train them like Pavlov's dog, right? To say, uh, let me let me remove the, the myself from the service. So yeah, that's that's exactly the point. So in the new sanctuary, we have a nursery, and I want to call it a nursery, 
Uh, that's where you can change your kid or something if, if you need. Um, but I don't want to call it a cry room because with that comes the expectation that if a kid cries, you have to take him out. And also it comes the assumption that, oh, I'm not going to hear crying in church because, well, that's the place where people cry. <laughs> that's where I go after each service uh, to cry. Uh, <laughs> um, so so it, I, I don't want that culture. I don't, I don't want that to become a thing. And I know, I think in the plans it's written cry room, and that was the McCree that did it, uh, the, the builders. Um, uh, whatever. Uh, but we, we will refer to it as a, as a nursery, and th- that's the point. Um, don't expect that because we have that, we're not going to hear kids in church. We, we, in fact, we should, and it's a beautiful sound. It's beautiful. That means the church is growing. That's a good thing. It's also um, good to have that because some people are more comfortable Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so mothers, if, it, if they're breastfeeding or changing a really stinky diaper, it's like, let's, let's isolate it or put it in, you know, things like this. There's, there's benefits. There's pros and cons um, to this. Uh, also, another thing here, facial expressions. When I talk about actions, uh, don't scowl at mothers with noisy children. Uh, watch your own children is another thing. Um, yeah, if, if a kid is crying in church... Uh, it's uncomfortable to, if everybody turns around and stares, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Um, so, so you don't want to do that. Uh, you want to also watch your own children. That is, you don't just want to hand the, your kids off to another family. So to say, well, I get to listen, but now you've got to take care of my kids uh, on top of yours or whatever. Um, if there's some agreement or whatever, fine. But really... Who should kids be sitting with in church? Their own parents. That's, that's what should happen. Uh, we have a fellowship hall. We'll have a playground. All these things so that people, kids can play with one another. But it's not in church. Um, a, a couple things that I learned, too, at this conference. One thing is uh, anniversaries. That congregations should celebrate the anniversaries of couples who have remained faithful. Uh, I have not done that. And I think this is a really good idea. Uh, this is a great thing to implement in the church here to make a big deal of people's anniversaries it's rare i mean we have some people in the congregation who have been married 50 years that's amazing that is remarkable um and, and to see that and to to talk to to recognize that and talk to those people and say how did you do this right those are the people you want to talk to you don't have to talk to the world talk to the members here. Another thing is to make a big deal about baptisms. So every single baptism, every single baby that's born uh, into the church, throw a big party, make it a big deal, because it is a big deal. That means God has grown the church uh, in in this beautiful way. Okay, let me stop here.